I've got good news. The Hornets won a basketball game. What up, Nest? Oh, we're going to take some going to take some uh, comments from the live chat today from the nest on youtube.com forward slash locked on hornets double m15 already in the house danny t up in the live chat as well we're also live on twitter and if you're just if you're just happening to see us on twitter or you're like oh man the hornets won i gotta check out what's going on on locked on hornets on twitter welcome number one this is the locked on hornets lounge this is our pre-show what we do before we kick the show off number two make sure you're subscribed to the show on itunes stitcher overcast whatever you use to get your podcast just search locked on hornets so that if you gotta go you can listen to us later i've got even better news though better news than the hornets winning and that's that the guy to my it's to my right it may be to your left screen left stage left i'm not sure but Nick Denning, we bought him a microphone. Yeah, it's not here yeah. yet. That you're not hearing the the new microphone yet. He's still <laughs> using the the Apple approved headphones. But the the new microphone is coming. Yeah, I'm very very excited. You know, because you know, it was, it was not. I was not completely expecting it when you said yesterday, like we're gonna get you a mic. I was like, all right, yeah. You thought I was joking. You thought I was kidding. No, the the fine people. On Patreon, our Patreon subscribers have made this possible. Shout out to Patreon. Shout Thank out. you guys. Indeed. Indeed. What'd you get? What'd you go with, Doug? Or do you want to spoil the surprise? I got the same one that we got for you. The oh. I, I can't have my I can't mic buddies. Yeah, I can't have you guys fighting over who had the better mic. Well, it's like this is like very, Christmas with the kid. You have kids, you understand. You can't get one kid a spectacular gift and one kid a lame gift. I was gonna say, very fatherly of you. That's uh, that's, that's good, Doug. You're I'm practicing. I'm I'm practicing. I I often view you two as my children. Well, oh, that's nice. That's weird. I, well, yes, and they say you can't have a favorite, but David, you're definitely my favorite. Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> it's because Nick gets on yeah, here. It's because Nick gets on here, uh, and gets sassy. He's, I think he's no, got, and, and I don't think that the new microphone is going to help. He gets on here. He's, he's a little too confident these days for my liking. It all works out because Nick's my favorite. So, oh, there we go. Well, that's nice. Well, I think I just switched what? favorites. <laughs> all right, let's start the show. This is an exciting show. The Hornets are back in the win column. Let's do it. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. In a minute, cuz we live. We live. This is Locked On Hornets, your daily podcast on the Charlotte Hornets and the NBA. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Search your podcast app for Locked On to get podcasts on the NBA, the NFL and fantasy sports, and I think coming soon, Major League Baseball uh, getting added to the Locked On roster, so look out for that. I'm Doug Branson. I cover the Charlotte Hornets for Fan Rag Sports, and I also have with me the panel from the mean streets of Cotswold. He's been covering the Charlotte Hornets since they were the Charlotte Bobcats for AtTheHive.com. The man, the myth, the legend, David Walker. Back in it. I just said Nick was my favorite. I don't want to leave Steve out, so I'm going to give him some of my favorite, my favorite love. Okay. There we go. 
And from the capital city, Nick Denning, editor for AtTheHive.com, and he, of course, writes the Buzzworthy column, which you can find on LockedOnHornets.com. Nick, what's going on? You know, I know I said I was going to start making this like a Monday, Wednesday, Friday thing, but I don't know the next time the Hornets are going to win. So <laughs> like, I had to make an exception. Yeah, I like how people like to join this show. All of a sudden, when the Hornets <laughs> get back in the win column, a lot easier to talk about. I'm trying. So we're doing this new thing where we're broadcasting on Twitter, and I'm trying to figure out if I can see people chatting on this. Oh, I can. Okay. So if you want to comment, yeah. if you want to comment on Twitter, I'm following along on there as well. And if you're on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash forward YouTube. Let me try this again. YouTube.com forward slash locked on Hornets. You can chat with us there as well. And we've got double M 15, Daniel, Alex, uh, Kurt, Captain Kurt, producer Kurt in the chat as well. Quotes there. Lamont's there. Hi to Amber, Deldrick, Got the whole crew in for this one. Well, t- everybody likes to talk about a victory, so let's do it. The Hornets get the win over the New York Knicks. They broke their three-game losing streak while ending the four-game winning streak of the New York Knicks, 109-91. The Hornets were led by 24 points from Frank Kaminsky and double-doubles from Dwight Howard and Michael Kidd-Gilchrist. After the game, a relieved Steven Silas on his team executing the game plan. I felt like the last couple of games, the Miami game and the Portland game, at least at the end, we showed what we can do as far as fighting and um, moving the ball and those two uh, fourth quarters that we played against those guys. Once we got down, um, we fought back. So that was my message to the guys. Don't wait. You know, don't wait for us to be all the way down right from the start. And we did it tonight. Um, The few things that I was concerned about coming into the game were their bench, and uh, I thought Nick Batum did a great job on McDermott. And um, then our bench, obviously, our bench production, you look at the plus-minus, those guys are great. And then the second chance points for them, and uh, they had zero, zero second chance points. So those two things that I, I really wanted to get across to the guys today, they did, and uh, I'm proud of them. They, they really, really did a good job, and it's good to get a win. All right, you can see it on his face there, David, a a sense of relief from Coach Silas, and and I think it's shared by hardcore Hornets fans and uh, everyone in that locker room alike. Uh, Are you relieved, David, that the Hornets finally getting back into the win column? Yeah, sure. It was a good win. It was a win, and win is a win is a win. You saw it from the players, and you mentioned Coach Silas, so – You know, the Knicks have struggled on the road as much as the Hornets have. So, yeah, but I don't think you want to take this with with a grain of salt. They just needed to get a win. Now they need to kind of move forward. There was definitely a a pep in their step, a different level of intensity and focus that I saw on both sides of the ball last night that helped them get this win. And obviously Frank was huge. So, man, they needed a win really bad. And and good thing the Knicks were in town with, with no Porzingis. Now, Nick, you mentioned three things there in that clip that I played uh, that they talked about pregame that they did very well in this one. They got off to a really good start. They were up 18 at the half. They limited New York's bench scoring, and they kept second-chance points off the board despite giving up 10 offensive rebounds. By the number, they managed to do all three of those things last night. Which one was most central to the victory in your mind? I like the good start um, mainly because like you think, I mean, like you look at the box score and Frank Kaminsky was ended up being the leading scorer, but he wasn't the one that got things kicked off. Nick Batum was really good early on Dwight Howard. I think what 
eight of his 11 points came in the first quarter. Um, other guys kind of stepped up, you know, throughout the game. And then, you know, the Hornets had a nice little lead when, when Frank entered the game. Um, well, he entered in like the first quarter, but then he sort of built on that in the second quarter. And a large part of that, that lead they built um, by halftime was because of what he came in and did. But so, no, it's just there's there were multiple guys stepped up, even if it didn't look like there were a lot of strong performances from the box score. You know, you could tell there was a, you know, multiple guys were trying to make sure this stayed at a, at a nice lead and, and, and that no comeback was made by New York. are listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. Thoughts on the news about Cody Zeller's injury. That's a tough one, man. I mean, what the f*** dude? Uh-oh. He's just injured, man. It's, it's okay. okay. It's Look, just, you know, he's injuries just happen. Deal with an injury. He didn't want <laughs> to get injured, okay, David? But, but uh, Sorry, guys. I just had someone jump out in front of my vehicle. That's uh, That was unforeseen. Only on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Much more left to break down uh, in this game against the Knicks. A win is a win is a win is definitely correct. But I want to take a second to tell you about Knight Residential Group. They are an all-inclusive residential construction company right here in the heart of Charlotte that specializes in high-end custom construction. We're talking brilliant interior renovations, immaculate custom-built homes. If it can be built, then Knight Residential Group can have it done for you. They have a combined 165 years of construction experience, veteran team, much like the Charlotte Hornets. Knight Residential Group believes in doing projects with meticulous detail using the very highest standards. Use Knight Residential Group and you can be sure that you'll have a pleasant customer experience and a beautiful home. Don't trust your next custom home project to any construction company. You have to use the group that we trust. Call them at 704-733-9566. That's 704-733-9566. Or visit nightresidentialgroup.com. That's Knight with a K. Join so many other current homeowners right here in Charlotte and allow Knight Residential Group to provide you with your forever home. Uh, so, yeah, I, I loved all three of those things that the Hornets did. Uh, I want to go to the chat right now and get a few comments uh, from the nest. A <laughs> quote saying, Michael Carter-Williams said, forget the layup, I think I'll just dunk. It was nice to see uh, Michael Carter-Williams, who has struggled to hit layups. I, I called it a case of the yips in the last show, said, forget it, I'm taking it all the way, and I'm going to dunk. We've wanted to see that from Frank Kaminsky a few times, too, when he's taking it up a little soft, missed a layup. It's like, why? Just you're seven feet tall, man, just go in there and dunk it. MCW, he's got hops, we know that. He's very athletic, and he went in there, he was strong, he was aggressive, and seven points on the night, MCW doing a good job in the few minutes that he got filling in for Kimball Walker. Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't bad. Um, he didn't miss a layup. I, so he didn't, um, he didn't completely get rid of it, but um, I, you know, he just limited mistakes. That's a big thing. You know, he missed, obviously the missed layups have been a huge issue, but he's also just committed a lot of just bad plays. Well, even if it's not even like a direct turnover, just, you know, you could just questionable shot selection, um, you know, just doing things that, just don't fit what the rest of the offense should be doing. So happy to see a, a mistake-free, you know, cu- you know, nice seven points from him. Danny on the chat saying that was a strong win, but a lot of the good things feel unsustainable. Frank probably won't continue to be that efficient, but Kimba probably won't continue to be this 
inefficient as a scorer. Yeah, Kimball Walker has been struggling from three of late over the past two games. 0 for 13 has not uh, hit a hit a three-pointer since hitting three of them in that fourth quarter against Miami that brought them all the way back into that one. Uh, David, should we be worried about these uh, shooting woes from Kimba Walker? No, not from Kimba. I mean, let me just say something on, on the sustainability. Yeah, none of this is sustainable. That's the problem. <laughs> I mean, these performances are not something we've seen on a regular basis, and that's why this team has struggled. I mean, Zach Loven mentioned it in his write-up. He mentioned Frank when he's having a good night and when he's hitting. It's just a totally different team. He's just not doing that enough. But, no, I'm not worried about Kimba right now. He's showing us what he is and what he can do. We Everybody goes through little slumps here and there, um, and he was still able to turn out. Like, he didn't have a big night last night, obviously, but they didn't need it. So, um, so no, you're not going to worry about that. Yeah, I, well, I think some of it is rooted in this wrist injury. Yeah. Uh, you'll remember, yeah, he, he, sustain, yeah, he sustained that – uh, against Chicago, I believe, back in mid-November. He was first listed on the injury list for that left in, uh, left wrist uh, back uh, in mid-November in that uh, before that Clippers game. And then it, it seemed like he re-injured it against he Miami the, when he fell to the floor yeah. and when Goran Dragic committed the, the offensive foul. And I think, you know, I, try, I asked him about it last night. He had, the, he had his wrist in, a, um, in kind of a, a, a support position thing. I don't know. It's not a cast, but it was definitely a support. He's had it wrapped up pretty significantly with white tape uh, through a, a couple of these games. So I think it definitely, it, I know it's his left wrist. I know it's his offhand, but I feel like it has to be affecting uh, that shot somewhat. Uh, but he was confident that the shots would fall uh, since that game. Uh, it's been about 16 games that he's been dealing with this injury and his three point percentage is hovering around 30.7. So that's much that's significantly lower than we know Kimba Walker is capable of shooting, and that's an extended stretch. So I think it's a lingering in- injury, it's a nagging injury, and it's one that I think the Hornets are, are hoping uh, will figure itself out at some point because they need Kimba Walker to shoot well from beyond the arc if they're going to be successful. I, I think that's a, that's, got, that's a starting point. Like You have to have yeah. Kimba Walker shooting well from outside. Yeah, but but as we've seen, they need the other other guys to shoot well too. I mean, and that's what happened last night, and that's what happened in their in their previous wins, and they've been able to hit some threes. I mean, of course, they need Kemba to get going. I feel like he's going to manufacture other ways to affect the game, though. Too like you're going to have to almost, you know, he's going to have to be seriously hurt not to get out there and play. Um, and at the same time, I, I don't I don't recall him ever playing when it's been a detriment to the team. You know, so he's going to go. He's going to give it his all. And uh, they just got to try and get that thing right. But yeah, I mean, he's had some struggles. I just, I'm not worried. I, there's too much else to worry about. I'm not going to worry about Kemba. Right. And and what did uh, what did Lowe also say in that article? Um, when Kemba's off the floor, this is a G League team. Um, yeah. So I, I much, I, as much as we want to see Walker, you know, start sh- shooting a little bit better, um, I'd be if we're choosing between one or the other right now, I'd much rather see the rest of the team, as we saw yeah. last night, start to play a little bit better on on a consistent basis. Well, I think part of of why they have been playing better as a team is because they've shifted the offense a little bit since that blowout loss against Houston, where you saw Dwight Howard get 20 attempts. I mean, the offense was exclusively about getting Dwight Howard post-touches since then. Uh, in the games against Portland and Miami, you saw he only had eight uh, shot attempts. He, was, he went to the foul line several times, so he got his touches, but his usage was down into the high teens 
and his uh, usage, I believe, in this last game was around 22-23, so that would be below his season average. So you can see the offense start to shifting a, shifting a little bit, and Coach Silas talked about that after that Houston game, that they had to find a way to make the offense successful and Dwight Howard successful because it, it was seemingly, you know, if Dwight Howard was having a great night and getting a lot of touches in the paint, then the rest of the Hornets' offense was struggling around him. And so I still think they have some things to figure out there, but you're starting to see that that change develop as the rotation shortens as well. And, and as you guys said, despite Kimba's shooting woes, and some misses for Dwight as well. He was 3 of 10 from the field. The Hornets' offense looked really good. They pushed the ball in transition off of those steals, and seemingly everyone was moving off ball, something that Nick Batum said after the game is essential for this team to play well. Let's listen to Nick. Oh, and that does not not have sound. All right, well, we'll (laughs) – all right. You could make it up, man. You could just you could fill in for him. Well, I'll tell you. Listen, I'll paraphrase what he said. Uh, Nick Batum uh, talked about how the Hornets' offense is not very good when the ball stays on one side of the floor, when it sticks, when, when there's no ball movement. And, and that's essentially – he didn't say it, but that's essentially what the Hornets' offense is when they start a play trying to get an isolation look for Dwight Howard in the post. Instead, what you've seen over the past couple of games, you've seen a lot of lob attempts. Not a lot of them have been very successful, but they've been attempting them, trying to get into a rhythm with Kimball Walker, Nick Batum, Jeremy Lamb, even Frey Kaminsky throwing up some lobs for Dwight Howard because those are the kind of looks that will make Dwight Howard successful but won't bog down the offense. you know, you got to get that off-ball movement uh, for this offense to be successful because this is not a team that has the talent to be a successful ISO team. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, don't you think, don't you guys think there's there, there could be an element there. They're still fine tuning. I mean, we're, we're not quite, we're not even to Christmas yet. I mean, they have played over a quarter of the way through the season, but I mean, maybe if you're going to try and find some positives to this, maybe they're still trying to figure out that right balance because I mean, I think you need Dwight to be effective, you just can't have him be the only thing. Like he can't be the only thing that's going well. So you got to have guys that hit shots. You've got to have off-ball movement. And some of that, how you deal with Dwight, affects those other things. But I think all of it goes into the mix of a successful team for the Hornets. Yeah, the Hornets have to get some better shooting, and they have to keep up this ball movement if they have a chance against Toronto on Wednesday, and then a all a, a very important back-to-back coming up, or excuse me, a home-and-home home with the Milwaukee Bucks coming up. And to me. That's going to be a critical test to determine whether the Hornets feel like, as a team, they have a shot at getting back into the playoff conversation in 2018 as the schedule starts to lighten up a little bit for them. They go out on the road more, but at the same time, uh, they face some lesser competition out on the road in, in January and February, and then it really lightens up in March and April when they have more home games and the competition stays light. A couple of other things that I liked and didn't like from this game. Love to get your thoughts on this, David and Nick. I loved Batum with the bench. We knew this was coming. We knew the Hornets were going to shorten the rotation, get Nick Batum on the floor when Kimba Walker was off the floor. You talked about it, David, how bad the Hornets had been with Kimba off the floor. But a lot of that time... Uh, Batum wasn't on the floor either, and they they really had no offensive initiation 
and, and offensive skill on the floor when, when neither of those guys were playing. I loved in this game how they ran Nick off of multiple screens, whether it was Kaminsky and, and, and uh, uh, Johnny O'Brien or whoever. They were setting multiple screens for Nick to run around. And then, and then opposite side, you had Kaminsky and Lamb cutting towards the basket, and Nick got some easy assists. To me, I mean, that's, that's going to be where this bench offense succeeds. It's not going to be on MCW backing guys down and, and trying to get to the rim that way. It's not going to be on Jeremy Lamb taking those isolation looks. That's not what's going to make this Hornets bench successful. It's plays like that. That's one thing I really liked. Yeah, there's um you said it yesterday, Doug. I think like you want to have your two best players on the floor at like either both of them on the same on the floor at the same time or at least one of them have and to. So, right. So with Batum, you know, with that second unit, like you said, like they're they're making him the focal point of the offense, but then they're letting him, you know, make the decision of whether or not, you know, are we is he going to take a shot? Is he going to look for others? And I really like the way, especially in the second quarter there where you know, like you said, he, he found guys off ball a couple of times. Um, it was very assertive. It was very, you know, it was aggressive without being trying to do like too much. It was just Nick playing the way we know he can play when he's just in a groove. So I was very, you know, that was, we like, I said this yesterday when I was making the case for Batum, you know, starting with the bench. Um, if I can't get that, I can at least see this more often. This, this is going to help things hopefully moving forward. And listen, I'm not going to say that I'm a genius. But I won't say that. I won't say that I was completely right about about something, that I'm a genius. I won't say that. But I will say this. I've, I've been wanting to see Nick Batum with the bench early in the fourth quarter. I thought it could have helped sustain some of those leads that they had gathered when he first came back from injury. But I understood that you know you didn't want to rush him back into big minutes and, you know, he talked about on the broadcast, I believe, last night that he's been questioning ever since he returned. Did I return too early? I think we're just now seeing a fully healthy and confident Nick Batum back on the floor and, and one that can play, you know, get out early in the game to stay in late with the bench in the fourth quarter. I think it's it's been a big deal uh, to help them uh, sustain these fir- the, this first half lead that they finally acquired uh, similar to what they were doing earlier in the season when they would get these big leads and then lose them in the fourth quarter. I think that's been a big deal for this team, to see Nick Batum with the bench at all times to, to help them uh, deal with some inconsistencies that they have offensively and defensively. And I, he did a great job chasing McDermott around most of the game. Yeah, and I, and I think, honestly, that was a thinking going into this season was to have him basically play the de facto backup point guard, even though you had Michael Carter-Williams, because that was going to be their best chance at succeeding. And, and with the injury, we weren't able to see that. So we saw a lot more of other guys, namely a lot more Carter Williams as of late. But, man, it's clear that he's going to have to be the backup point guard, whether it's, you know, in, in, in role only. But he's got to be out there with that second unit. Um, I think you're right. I, I do like start, both of them starting the game, subbing him out early, and then having him come back in with that second unit seems to work well. So he does look a lot more confident just in his um, – his health to me. I mean, whether it's, whether it was just inspired play or whether he just looked more confident out there, it looks like maybe hopefully he's getting back to closer to a hundred percent. 
This is Locked on Hornets. We got a couple of rookies here. I got David spreading fake news. Guess what? Four championship games in a row. Continuous success, sustainability. I've got Steve Bob not plugging in his headphones. Which That's I would clear. love to see JaVale McGee, uh, you know, get out there on the ice velodrome or whatever you call those things. This is a professional show we're trying to run here. Only on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. The season of giving continues here on Locked On Hornets. We did a flash ticket giveaway to last night's game. Uh, Steven, one of our Patreon members, won that contest. Got two free lower-level tickets. I've got tickets available for Milwaukee's game. We'll be running a a contest for those tickets as well. Make sure you're signed up. Subscribe to us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash L-O-H, and uh, you could get double entries into all of our show giveaways. Get some free tickets. We've sent we've sent several people to Hornets games uh, this season, and we're going to do more uh, uh, this uh, the coming weeks and also into 2018 as well. You can also get ad-free episodes of this show. It's a great way to show your support for great local sports independent journalism. Patreon.com forward slash L-O-H. We've also got uh, some merch on sale, tpublic.com. Search for Locked On Hornets. Some great T-shirts there as well. I can show you a few. There's a couple. We've got the Buzz City Frazier shirt. We've got the Buzz Mania shirt. That guy seems to like it. So uh, check that out, tpublic.com forward slash, uh, or tpublic.com search Locked On Hornets. Welcome into the show. We've got uh, several people in the live chat. Uh, let's see. Lamont saying, if I quote Nick Batum, I have to quote him in a French accent. All right, duly noted. Duly noted, Lamont. I will make sure. That's very fair. Very fair. Uh, Let's see. Trying to find some more things from the chat here. Let's see. Alex. Frank also channeled his inner Ray Allen last night. Yeah, I mean, he was perfect from the field three minutes into the fourth quarter. Just feeling very confident, and, and that's... That's the story on Frank Kaminsky. It was funny. I was looking at Jeff Hornacek's comments after the game, head coach for the New York Knicks, who said, we know that Frank Kaminsky, if he hits a few shots, is really tough to beat. It's confirmed, guys. It's on the scouting report. Teams know that when Frank if you can frustrate Frank Kaminsky early and he doesn't knock down his first couple of shots, you know, you're... you're Pretty much guaranteed two things. He's going to be ineffective offensively the rest of the night, and he's going to let that affect other parts of his game, including on the defensive end, so you can attack him there as well. And that really hurts the second unit. How do we know this for sure? How is this an almost guarantee? Well, Frank Kaminsky admits it. Like, he talks about it after games. He admits that when he misses his first couple of shots, he lets it affect the rest of his game, and then he has to stop doing it I mean, David, it's hard to disagree with that. <laughs> it's playing his day, and I hope maybe he's trying to get some of those easy buckets to start the game. Like, he got a one to go inside last night. He got an easy two that rolled around and went in, and that you know that can get players going. So hopefully we see a concerted effort from Frank, and uh, he can get a couple easy ones going just until he, he is over that hump. Because, I mean, I think eventually, right, he's going to have to be able to manufacture some confidence or, or get past this mental block or, or whatever it is 
to be able to be effective because especially if this team wants to do anything and turn the season around, he does make a lot of the difference. One more quick basketball nerd thing that I didn't like from this game, and I've seen it over the past couple of games. It seems like something they're they're trying a little bit. I, I didn't remember it as much earlier in the season, but I, and I don't notice. I don't know if you guys have noticed this as well. Uh, but the the Marvin Dwight high low play that they're trying to get going, <laughs> kind of Marvin throwing it over the top to Dwight. Uh, it is not working. Uh, two two turnovers for Marvin in that last game, and both of them were on that high low play. It's like every time I see it start to develop, I'm like, oh no, this is not this is not good. It has not. It's just Marvin does a lot of great things, but he's just never been someone that's been a, like a terribly accurate passer. So it's just one little little basketball nerd nitpicking thing uh, that hasn't worked out for the Hornets. But other than that, I mean, they were really effective. Mm-hmm offensively despite tough shooting nights from their guards I, I noticed when Dwight like sometimes posts up a little too like like maybe in the short corner mm-hmm. and like Marvin wants to slide to the corner three like the spacing is just terrible and it's like I mean I don't know I mean it's 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 mainly a Dwight thing right he's got to probably he should be posting up that far from the basket but um no yeah that's I think Marvin like I'd, I'd much rather like there was one play very early on I I he tweeted that it was a it was a post up. It wasn't. It was off a pick and roll. But where um, Dwight got the pick and roll, went to the hoop instead of instead of going for the layup, kicked it right out to an open yeah. Marvin three. Like that's I'd much rather see plays like that than Marvin trying to instigate the inbounds pass and then you know seeing nothing work. Obviously, and that blew me away. I couldn't believe he did that. Like right. I was almost shocked that he passed that thing out. And I was going to say, we need to see him some more Marvin in the short corners, right? I mean, that's this team has never been taking advantage of that shot in the, over the last couple of years. So it'd be nice to see Marvin slide down there a little more. I mean, that play was shocking. It, it <laughs> yeah, wasn't. I couldn't believe he kicked it out. It wasn't the only time that Dwight kicked it out in that game. That's the most memorable one. But he was yeah. moving the basketball. And I think what makes that all the more impressive and what what I and why I think it's sustainable is because of what I talked about earlier in the show with him, his usage going down, yet he is still willing to share the basketball. That's why I think there there have been, and and I think this because Steven Silas has mentioned it in, in conversations with the media, that there have been conversations amongst the team to try to figure out how to make Dwight Howard successful while making the rest of the offense successful. It's a conversation that was frankly... Uh, unsuccessful in Atlanta. They could never really figure out how to make both Dwight happy and and make the rest of the offense flow. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it's a good conversation to have. It's an honest conversation that's happening within within that locker room, and and you're seeing it bear itself out. And it, it, it helps that Dwight Howard is getting fouled at an enormous rate. One of the one of the top guys in the league in terms of fouls per shot attempt and, and he's knocking down free throws he's feeling confident from the line so he can develop points that way he doesn't always need you know a ton of touches to to get points because he's shooting so well from the line right now relative to you know his history it's it seems more than anything I, he just wants to to be involved and if even if that yep. just means getting a post touch and then touches you know, picking it back out right like that's that's thing, the you know the big thing. It's really it's really great to see his three or his free throw shooting improve. Um, Eric Collins touched on this in the broadcast last night, but I guess he's constantly staying after after games to work on it. You know, mm-hmm. so when he's tired, 
Um, it did last night. He was on the practice floor as I walked out of the arena at like, I mean, close to 11. Yeah. Really? So, I mean, wow. and that, that, that's, that's like, look, I mean, you know, say what you want about like his, the, the things that we can scratch our heads about him, but that, that shows a guy who's committed to trying to improve something that's been a, that's been a, an issue for him pretty much his entire career. Um, no, and, that, I mean, and that and that goes to the that Nick that goes to the urgency that he finds himself in right now the situation yeah. that he finds himself in needing uh, to to really uh, figure some things out and be uh, be with a team that understands him and that and that he can be and show that he can be a little understanding and transformative in his offense as well and yeah. uh, you know I think you're starting to see that uh, develop and and like I said the fact that. His his usage percentage is dropping. That something is changing within the offense right now, and, and yet he's still being effective offensively and moving the basketball. I think is an encouraging sign. If they can get yeah. some of this shooting to drop, if 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 Lamb and Kemba can can find that magic, if Kemba can get healthy and Lamb can find his three point shot again, this can be a dangerous team offensively, despite the inconsistencies of Frank Kaminsky, which I don't think will change this season, despite Michael Carter-Williams, I mean, just a mystery on offense, and I don't think that's going to change this season. I think they can still be a really good offensive team. Uh, one, This is what we should end on, uh, something from the live chat here uh, from Amber. Who won the Dwight Howard-Kylo Quinn mini-beef? <laughs> so Kylo Quinn viciously blocking oh, a Dwight Howard shot and as my uh, as my good friend Dustin Pfeiffer who's been on the show many times before said you know Kylo Quinn's not exactly a leaper <laughs> like that no. that guy's not that guy doesn't get up he doesn't have gravity boots so uh he blocks the shot from Dwight and then uh several plays later Dwight Howard with the reverse jam and uh got the got both Eric Collins and Del Curry on their feet and uh, Dwight, I don't know if you guys watched the broadcast. I'm sure it's see. I couldn't see from my vantage point, but it looked like he had some choice words for Kylo yeah. Quinn on that one. The, yeah, the, the, he, yeah. I think he said um, your move was good. There's another one for you that I just did. That was it. <laughs> and he ran back down. It was. It was the the broadcast picked it up as block that, and then you know strategically left out the following phrase that came afterwards. You know, so. Um, no, you see, that's that's another thing that goes to it. Like mm-hmm. Dwight's in the twilight of his career. Like he he doesn't want to feel like he can he's going to lose to these younger players now. Yeah, and so yeah, I you know he he got blocked and he said no, I'm not accepting this. I'm going to blow by him and, and reverse slam it on him. So that's no sir, no sir. That block right. is unacceptable, sir. And I will return. <laughs> I, mean, I will return the favor in kind. Yeah. To Quinn's credit, he timed it perfectly. Like it was a perfect yeah. play. Dwight was I was a little low, and then Dwight came back and and served up a dunk. But I, I think to to Nick's point earlier, like it seems like if they make a concentrated effort to get him the ball earlier, get him touches, that goes well, and then the Hornets can hit a couple shots, and then that goes well. It's like Dwight's like, I'm good now. We're good. Let's roll. So like I think that is going to continue to be uh, you know a lot of the focus to try and get Dwight happy early and then get the rest of the team flowing off of that. I mean, that seems to be working out. Did he, did he take a jump shot last night? I don't think he did. No, he didn't. No, that's a, oh man, I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah. It's something I noticed as well. Did not take that inexplicable, infuriating (laughs) 
weird jump shot. If he takes it from the elbow, I'm okay. It's when it extends, like he has got one foot on the three-point line. Yeah. yeah. That's when it gets a little ridiculous. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. He's oh, yeah. It's, it's coming. But he didn't. Oh, yeah. Um, but he did, he did invite uh, Kylo Quinn to Dwight House. I go to Dwight House. Slam dunk. That was good. That was cathartic. I, I mean, I think Hornets fans were understandably going into this game frustrated. Uh, they, they were feeling like, it, you know, despite it only being a two-game losing streak, it just felt that, that felt how like they lost those games, yeah. a three-game losing streak. Despite how they, they they just lost those games, it was so devastating. It's like, will they ever win again? That's what we always think on these losing streaks, right? Will they ever – how can they possibly, after coming back so far against Portland and falling short, after coming back from so far down against Miami and falling short, after getting blown out by a really good Rockets team, how could they ever win again? And, right. and somehow, somehow teams always manage to do it. Well, and we should mention Dwight, you know, came out and said the body language wasn't good. These guys need to keep their head up. Um, You know, he mentioned that. And there was a visible difference. And Nick Batum said some stuff, um, I think, prior to the – or after the the last loss as well, kind of in that same vein. But, I mean, there was a clear difference in purpose to me. So, I mean, when they play like that, especially – it starts on defense always. They always talk about that. When they play with more concentration and more effort on defense, it's just different. And then you can get a couple shots to go down. But I mean, what's the what's the, what? How do you crack the code on that? Because it, it, it's not been an every night thing. Yeah, and that's the key. So we're, we're going to be back tomorrow. We'll have a preview of this game coming up against the Toronto Raptors. It's at home as well. It ends a four game homestand for the Hornets before they travel to Milwaukee and then come back home for a let me say yeah, it's a Friday Saturday home and home uh, right before. Uh, the Christmas holiday. So, uh, and we'll have some tickets to give away to that Milwaukee game. So stay tuned for that as well. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Uh, thanks to my panel, David and Nick and everyone on the live chat. Quote, Daniel, Double M15, Lamont. I'm not going to get to everyone, but thanks so much for joining us there on the live chat, youtube.com forward slash locked on Hornets. If you've been listening or watching us live on Twitter, make sure to subscribe to the podcast so that if you can't watch the whole show, if you're just driving by, checking us out, you can listen. iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, just search Locked on Hornets wherever you get your podcast. Back tomorrow with more. I'm Doug, David and Nick saying, go Hornets, go America, let's swarm Charlotte.